Northwestern Master of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton. We're excited to be back for a second season and look forward to bringing you slave engaging guests that cover a wide range of topics in the sports industry, including our guest today, Matt Neri. Matt is a senior athletic trainer at Northwestern University with a specific focus on concussion care and treatment. Matt did his undergraduate work at the University of the Pacific, where he holds a degree in sports science, and his graduate work at Michigan State, where he earned a master's degree in kinesiology. Prior to coming to Northwestern, Matt worked as an athletic trainer at the University of Washington, focusing on baseball and football. He's also held roles with elite sports and spine in the National Football League. Matt, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, you bet, Bryce. I'm, I'm really excited to be able to kind of talk to some students and give them a little insight into, into how I got what I'm doing. Well, it, it's great. We really appreciate you know, having you. And it's great to have someone you know from Northwestern and to get sort of the inside pieces of that. I think the students and the listeners are always really interesting in, in what's going on with Northwestern as a whole. So it's a good place to start. Tell us, Matt, what, what you do at Northwestern today and, and how that's related to sports and how you, you build on, the, on that with the, the concussion treatment and care part. Yeah, so I have a, a extremely unique role um, in the in the entire country in that uh, I only see uh, students who have concussions. Um, you know, part of the scope of our practice as athletic trainers is, uh, you know, kind of limited by the uh, Practice Act in Illinois. We can only really see an active population. So, you know, any student uh, at the university who sustains a head injury that is physically active and comes through the health service is probably going to end up on my schedule and I'm going to end up evaluating and treating them for their concussion. Um, it's uh, a very unique opportunity for me in that, you know, the majority, if not the entirety of my career um, was spent at the high division one level dealing with, you know, 18 to 22 year old males who like to play football or baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, so now in the last, you know, four or five months since I've been here, I've been able to interact with, you know, PhD level students to, you know, first you know, first year students at the university who play ultimate Frisbee or just lift weights on the, on the weekends or anything of that nature. And so I've been able to really open up um, my practice to a much larger population. That's really forced me to, to grow and kind of change how I manage and kind of do some things. And it's, it's been great so far. That's cool. I think what's really interesting is that that, that granular focus on, on the concussion piece. And I mean, obviously we, we see that, you know, from a football perspective and in, in other sports, but I, I think it's, it's really fascinating to hear about, you know, the spread across, across sports. And I mean, it, not only the spread across sports, but the focus of the university to, to be able to have that specific care. You said that was a, a you know, sort of a unique position and, and you know, I, I personally, I've never heard of, of something, something like that, but do you think, it's a sign of the times in the sense that we are much more aware of those things today. Uh, not necessarily. Um, you know, uh, concussions really been a hot button topic for the last 10 or 12 years, particularly in sports medicine. Um, and in those, you know, high level, high achieving, uh, sports areas, you know, everyone hears about the NFL and high school football and, you know, pay attention to those contact sports and collision sports as a lot of folks call them. Um, but the, the uniqueness about what I do is I, you know, I get to also see, you know, club sport athletes, which we have a, a, a ton of, I think we have over 1500 club sport athletes mm. kind of currently participating in different sports at, at Northwestern, um, as well as intramural athletes. And just like I said, recreational people who like to do fitness and be active. Um, 
the the uniqueness I think is is really uh, or the the hot buttonness I think is starting to fade a little bit, which is unfortunate. But there's still a lot of focus that's being placed on um, proper care of of head injury across the country. Um, there's a lot of concussion care clinics that are being opened up and developed. I know there's uh, a big one down in Phoenix. Um, where, you know, that are, are more geared towards high school student athletes because they may not have uh, the athletic training support or the sports medicine support from their from their school that they need. And so they're not just going to see a general, you know, their pediatrician or their general practice physician saying, hey, you know, go home and, and you know, sit in a dark room until you feel better in <laughs> two weeks and then go back to playing. You know, it's a lot more nuanced than that, what we do now. So um, the, the uniqueness I think is having, uh, and, you know, someone working and, you know, directly at the university, they can give really easy access to care for the students at the school. Um, you know, a lot of which are international or, you know, we have a really, you know, broad student base from all over the country. Mm-hmm. And if they were trying to go get physical therapy, their insurance may not cover that or, uh, things of that nature. So the ability to provide a lot of those services to students, quickly and easily is, is really, really advanced. It's a, it's a fascinating topic for me personally. And the reason I say that is I, I come from a football family. My father played football. My brother played football. I played football in, in high school and I have a three-year-old son. And my wife was like, absolutely no, no chance that he's ever going to play football. And <laughs> in, in fairness to her, I understand, like you said, over the last 10, 12 years, there's really been a focus on, on, you know, concussions and, and overall brain health and what the collision sports do. But over that time span, how have you seen that evolve? How have you seen, one, how we look at concussions or look at head, you know, related trauma differently? And how is it, how has it evolved in the sense of prevention and treatment? You mentioned prevention. I think that's a really interesting part of this in the sense that, you know, and and you can speak to this better than me. There's two sides of that coin, right? There's the prevention part of it and then the treatment part of it. So how have you really seen that evolve over the last, you know, throughout your career and all the places that you've been? Yeah. So the, uh, you know, prevention is an interesting term in sports medicine. Um, I think a, a better, more accurate term is probably injury risk reduction. Hmm. Um, it's probably a little more appropriate. Um, the only way you can, you know, prevent, uh, a head injury is by not hitting your head. Um, so, uh, you know, the, uh, but the risk mitigation risk reduction, um, can come through in a lot of these programs that you see, um, in, you know, teaching different and proper tackling technique, particularly in football, thinking more of a rugby style tackle. Um, and, you know, having a lot of uh, exposure over my time at Washington to uh, uh, the Seahawks um, and their uh, and, and Pete Carroll's kind of, uh, uh, I can't remember what he called it, the, the tackling technique that they teach is more of a rugby style tackle. And that really carried over to our staff at, at Washington. Um, and so that was a, a big point of emphasis, um, uh, particularly for my, my last five or six years there, um, which you know, basically takes the head out of the tackle. So you, if you remove that, then that can help reduce, um, incidents. Um, the, uh, some of the mitigation strategies, the way you practice, um, can lean into things a lot. Um, you know, particularly at higher levels, the, the amount of contact that is occurring is in practice is diminishing and, you know, it's, it's really well, well, 
understood in the literature that as you, uh, or, you know, the majority of, of head injuries happen in, in practice, not in, in games. So if you can modify those practice techniques and, and things like that, that can help things become a little bit less dangerous. Um, and I think it's really important too, to uh, kind of talk that, you know, football is never going to be a safe game. Uh, but I think a lot of what we're doing is helping to make it a little bit less dangerous um, not necessarily more safe, but less dangerous. Um, utilization of some equipment add-ons like guardian caps, things, you know, padded services you can put over the top of the helmet that you wear in practice that can reduce the overall force that a brain is taking. Um, and even beyond that, you know, you can, you know, look at all the different helmet technologies and the testing that the NFL puts out every year about <clears throat> all those various helmets and types and techniques and, and what they do and, and, uh, it seems like they just continue to get more and more and more innovative um, from helping uh, reduce the the incidents. But the it's kind of a funny thing. A lot a lot of parents uh, would ask me about um, mouthpieces and how they prevent concussion, which they don't. They help prevent dental injury. Um, and uh, about football helmets in general, which helmet you know their their high school kid should wear or whatever. And and what I always try to bring them back to is you know football helmets weren't designed and intended to prevent concussion they were designed and prevented to uh, or designed to prevent uh, skull fracture and face masks weren't designed to you know prevent concussion they were designed to prevent facial injury um, and over the evolution of the game it's changed a little bit where it can actually be a tool to help increase the safety and longevity of some of these guys so um, there's a whole lot that can kind of go into that stuff and you know fortunately i was able to be part of some some research that was done both by the the dod and with the nfl a little bit um looking at you know head impact um tendencies among college football players um and i know there's some some institutions that are, are partnering with the nfl right now to use some of that head monitoring technology to, to determine some college practices it's really well researched in the nfl um, but they don't have a great understanding of, of how it looks in college so they're working to try to un, you know to to try to uh, make something better you got to understand what makes it not better so they're trying to really understand that problem particularly at the college level so they can try to influence and help that become a little uh less dangerous for those guys yeah, that makes sense. You know, you mentioned you work at the University of Washington. I've only been there once, but they tailgate on boats, which is is one of the most amazing things. They 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 sailgate, right? Sail, they sailgate. Oh man, that is an amazing way to say it. I think there's there's only a couple of places in the country that do. I think Tennessee kind of has something like that. Baylor may have. They're, something, they're, like, they're, they're 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 on a river though. You know, like mm. you, you can't really beat the. You know, it's kind of a cliche and it's marketing, but you know, out there they refer to their to Husky Stadium as the greatest setting in college football and. And on a nice clear day, you can see the Cascade Mountain Range over the, the east end zone. And there's uh, Lake Washington that, you know, literally is a stone's throw from the from that east end zone. And it's just a it's a very, very special place uh, to be. And uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully watching uh, my first game from the stands uh, next fall when uh, Michigan State actually heads out there to take on on UW. So I'm, I'm trying to trying to convince some some buddies to uh, get out there with me and enjoy a game from the stands. It, it is a, it's it's a really magical setting. I mean, it, it isn't one of the ones that comes top of mind, right? To just the average lay college football fan. But if you go in the Pacific Northwest in general, right, you get off a plane there and it it just feels it's very fresh, right? It's a it's a lovely place. But you mentioned that work you know, at the University of Washington and, and carrying down with the tackling techniques. And we won't make this all about football, but, you know, one last thing about it was it, it's really interesting to hear you say the change in those techniques, because 
I remember as a kid, and I'm sure many of our listeners will the same at my age or, or, or older, you kind of use your head as a weapon, right? And and you're right. Those things, it's it's kind of like boxing too, right? The, the boxing gloves aren't designed to protect your face, your opponent's face. They're designed to protect your hand. And so we don't use we use the equipment in sort of improper ways, but it's encouraging to hear that the, those techniques are, you know, at those levels. And, and the hope is they're trickling down. Right. And that way the a newer generation of, of players in this sport will have better technique, which leads to those, some of those mitigating factors you talked about. And, and, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of rule changes to, uh, you know, the, the NFL kind of looks at you know, equipment modification and, and rule modification for player health and safety. And so they're able to, you know, you look at some of the, you know, the, the, the targeting rules that kind of come around, you know, and when you and I are in high school is referred to as spearing mm-hmm. um, more often than not, but now they're really emphasizing protecting the, the head of, of players. Um, and, you know, through those, rule changes and adjustments, I think we're actually starting to see, you know, things be a little less traumatic and dangerous as they go through. Um, but it's, you know, it's not just technique. There's so many different things that go into, you know, helping uh, guys be a little bit less dangerous uh, as they go through it. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, not to talk about football, but, but it's obvious the whole time, but it's, it's obviously one where we hear it a lot, but, but uh, sort of to spin that forward, it, it's known in football, right? It, and probably hockey too, and you would know this better than me, but in, in those collision type sports. But have you found in your work that it, people in other sports, like club sports or, or the Olympic sports that you had a chance to work with too, one, are they more are they more or less aware of concussions in the sense of, of you know, not it not being as prevalent? And do they go about treating them in different ways? No, I mean, it's... Uh, uh... I think we really try to treat every, you know, student athlete and patient that we see, you know, the, the same or not the same, you know, to, to their needs and goals and, and wants and desires. Um, and, you know, like you said, a lot of attention gets paid to those collision sports, soccer, uh, girls and women's soccer. Uh, a few years ago really was getting a lot of attention because their concussion incidence was really, really skyrocketing. Um, and, is that you know, is that because of I, I've heard this and this is an interesting question. Is that because of heading a ball or collisions, head to head collisions? Uh, both. Both. Um, and I haven't delved deep enough into that uh, literature to really understand, but it's um, it's probably a combination of both hitting the ground as well mm-hmm. um, after a body to body collision in the air, then maybe you come down and, and land awkwardly and hit your head on the turf um, could be an, an issue. Um, and something that would, uh, became very interesting for me uh, probably two years ago, um, I started to see a very high incidence of concussion in women's volleyball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, fortunately for me, I, I grew up in Southern California. So uh, knowing some, some uh, high level kind of volleyball coaches and folks in that world around the country, started to reach out to some of those people. And, hey, are, have you been seeing this lately? And the over uh, the resounding answer was, yeah, what's going on? And so, you know, started to look into it a little bit deeper and, and um, this increased incidence in, in women's volleyball, collegiate volleyball of head injury and concussion was very astounding and did not have the ability to really dive deep into it yet. But um, it's a, an interesting area that I want to try to pursue in the future and, and try to understand, you know, a, a non-collision, you know, non-impact, low intense, you know, relatively low intensity sport. Um, 
not to disrespect any of those volleyball players out there, because that's a tremendously awesome game that I really enjoy watching. Um, but it's uh, it's an interesting question to start to ask is, you know, why is this happening and how can we start to reduce it um, from really becoming a problem? Yeah, that is really interesting to hear. Soccer in some ways makes sense, right? Both men's and women because of of you see the heading the ball and you, you even see if you watch soccer, you know, as the as a common fan, you see people hit their heads together even. Yep. But volleyball is, is an interesting one. Are there other sports that surprise you or seen any data that, that comes out like that? Uh, not, not recently or particularly. Um, uh, other than uh, uh, ultimate Frisbee is surprisingly uh, a mm-hmm. high incident rate uh, so far since I've been here. Um, but, you know, the, the sports that you would think of, you know, rugby, soccer, um, those, those contact and collision sports, uh, even basketball a little bit. Um, intramural football, a lot of, lot of the incidents from those, from those folks, but it's, um, nothing, you know, amazingly surprising. We're not seeing a crazy high rate of concussions from swimmers from swimming. <laughs> right. Would make sense. Right. right. That would make sense. It, it, you know, to, to take it sort of out of the, the concussion realm, it, it, you've had an interesting path to, to where you are today at Northwestern. I'm not certain why you, you know, you'll, you'll probably feel it here this month and next month of, really longing for that Southern California upbringing. Um, <laughs> however, you know, to go from the University of Pacific uh, then to Michigan State. So I guess you had, you've had a lot of Midwestern time, but but how did that path take you to Northwestern? Uh, yeah, so uh, I, you know, I was very, very fortunate after I finished up my grad work at, at Michigan State in East Lansing, um, ended up out in Seattle, um, <clears throat> really by the, you know, who knows why they picked me at this point, but I got to spend some time with our baseball program. Um, got to spend a little bit of time working with USA rugby, um, and really developed a, a great sense of community and, and, uh, working with a really dynamic staff, um, in the athletic training department out there, uh, at Washington. Um, and, you know, just really wanting a little bit more, um, over my, over my time, uh, I actually uh, left for two years to go work at a chiropractic practice. I was going to go to physician assistant school um, with my entire goal of getting back into an athletic training room, working with sports medicine physicians um, and, you know, acting as a you know physician extender and, and really trying to stay in that sports realm from that aspect. Um, and my old boss gave me a call and said, Hey, we're adding a position to our football staff. And, you know, if you want to apply and I said, that would be an outstanding opportunity. Went back and, and, uh, really enjoyed my time there. And that's what really kind of pushed me to start to specialize in this, you know, traumatic brain injury concussion realm, um, was managing all of our concussions day to day for our football program, even expanding that role to kind of act as a content expert for our entire staff. Um, being able to work as a spotter in the NFL and, you know, having, uh, privilege of, of learning and knowing and having access to a lot of their concussion data and information, um, working, like I said, on a few research projects with, uh, with the head football team physician at Washington, Kim Harmon, um, through the DOD, uh, and a study based out of Michigan, and then doing some other projects through the PAC 12, um, as well, just really kept me driving and learning and wanting to know more and more and more about the kind of diagnostic side. Um, and then more recently starting to look into, um, how we can kind of treat and accelerate the recovery process for these injuries. Um, and that's really what kind of, kind of brought me out here. And, you know, if you'd asked me or if you'd have told me a year ago, I'd be sitting in Evanston in January. Um, I would have, I would have thought you were being silly. Um, you know, I was looking forward to, you know, spending a second season with a new head football coach and, and doing all those kind of things. Um, 
but when the position came open, um, you know, the ability in athletic training to really specialize in one specific area, um, to kind of, uh, come off the road a little bit and have a little bit better, uh, work-life balance, um, was a, a really big thing for me and expand my practice into not just, you know, 18 to 22 year old male college football players, um, was a really exciting challenge for me going forward. So, uh, and then once the kind of position came open and starting to look in, in, into the area and, and, you know, talk to some folks that I know who are from the area. Uh, and, you know, no one really had a bad thing to say about, about the area or the university. And so it kind of became a, a no brainer for me when, when I had the chance to, to come out. Yeah. I'm obviously biased in, in a little bit, but you know, Evanston itself and, and the university are, are really welcoming places. And I think it's a really interesting place to be involved in athletics for lots of different reasons. Um, and I think that, you know, throughout the courses that, that I teach or that Adam teaches, it, it, we, we are, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of athletes that, that come through. And it's really interesting to learn from them, you know, all the things done from the university level. And it's cool to see, you know, what you have, what you, this role and sort of how it's parlayed into that. I mean, I think that, that is another question, right? Is how, what was the sort of spark that got you interested in that is such a granular path, right? And I think that, you know, there's so many jobs and so many things that people do today that are very general, right? And it's really interesting to see when you someone can get down on this really granular path because you can really dig into something. What was, was there a central spark that did that or did it just kind of evolve over time? Yeah, it was, uh, particular. So, uh, <clears throat> I don't know how many how many folks listen to really you know have a great idea of what athletic trainers do, uh, but we you know we act as kind of the central hub of a, a healthcare wheel for uh, in, in my previous role for you know college athletes. That's a really um, good actually. This is a really good time to explain that. I mean, I think it's a good question too. Of you know, for the layperson, the listener. It, you think of, okay, there's a team doctor, right? Well, in my head, I think Dr. James Andrews, right? But then you see athletic trainers that, you know, if someone gets injured, they're out on the field, but you don't really see that sort of sphere of care that's involved yeah. in a university setting. And so I guess the question would be sort of what are the inner workings of that and how do you one fit in that, but to work with those, those other people that are involved? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, really the, the best way I've ever heard, uh, you know, athletic trainers in the, you know, division one collegiate setting is, you know, you're, you're kind of the center of this wheel of healthcare, um, coordinating everything, providing a lot of service individually, whether it's um, uh, physical therapy services to uh, emergency trauma care to uh, long-term rehabilitation, um, procedure assistance with physicians, um, coordinating different medical exams and tests, uh, procedures, stuff like that, casting, um, x-ray, you know, all, all these all these different things, uh, you know, the, I hate to use the expression, but you know, we're kind of a, a jack of all trades from a medical standpoint. Right. Um, and the way that I fit into that kind of wheel here is, uh, my role is not in the middle. I'm one of those kind of peripheral providers, um, that <clears throat> when, uh, one of our student athletes, you know, sustains a concussion, um, I kind of help our, our, uh, athletic trainers, the work through those more complicated cases as well as kind of act as a, you know, content expert and, and a source of referral for uh, things that are a little bit more challenging um, to make sure that, you know, we're giving the kids the best care that they can get as they go through uh, 
through their recovery. Um, but you know, going going backward a little bit, the the spark that really did it, you know, because we're we're used to dealing with orthopedic injuries, right? Sprained knees, dislocated shoulders, that kind of stuff. That um, very linearly and predictably will get better as time goes by, and we're our job is to kind of accelerate that process. Um, Back in 2015, we had a, a young man played receiver for us at Washington who sustained a concussion, and he just wasn't getting better, just wasn't doing better. And it was, uh, you know, moderately frustrating to me. So trying to find ways as we were having this new emerging evidence um, surrounding exercise as a modality for reducing recovery time. And so really just started to push that really with the support of our, our physician group and and our head athletic trainer at the time um, to really you know, not just have people go sit in a dark room and wait until they feel better, but start to push it and help them get better as they progress through and, and work through. So, you know, after working with that, that young man, you know, we started to broaden and make that kind of our standard of care that we would give to all of our concussion patients. Um, and then after, you know, I was able to do that for a few years, started to expand that program to, you know, the entire athletic department um, and just grow and, and hope that we could just like orthopedic injuries, reduce that time to recovery um, that these uh, student athletes were experiencing so they could get back to doing what they wanted to do quicker, which is, you know, playing and competing in their sport. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. It, I mean, it's really interesting to see that relationship of, of the level of care that's there and, and how they're all related, you know, because as this, uh, our listeners and us as fans, you don't see that, you know, it's not something that is super prevalent to you, right? Or unless you've played sports or, or been been in that setting and so yeah. on. So it's interesting to understand the inner workings. I think, you know, before we started recording, you and I were talking about how a lot of our listeners, a lot of students in, in our program come from a, whether an exercise science or, or a health and kinesiology background. And they're looking to sort of parlay those skills and, and learn some of the business pieces. And you've talked a lot about building building a practice, right? And I think that that you know is one sort of thing that they're they're trying to do or trying to gain the skills to do. But I think that's the other side that that someone like myself doesn't see of that building a practice and that that business skills that are combined. And so you know you have the the obvious uh, health and wellness. Uh, and injury prevention and mitigation, all those skills, but also sort of the business side of it too. And I think sometimes we forget, but can you sort of talk a little bit about how those things kind of marry up in, in the role that you do today and, and the previous roles you've had? Yeah. Fortunately for me, I don't really need to deal with much of the business side of things. I get to just be a provider, um, which I've always uh, you know thought is, is really, really great. Um, but you know, an, another reason why I really embraced my, my current role, it, it gives me a little bit more, time and freedom because I'm not uh, standing out of practice. I'm not doing a lot of those daily uh, tasks that I was tasked with before. Um, so it allows me to delve a little bit deeper into, um, you know, trying to seek out research opportunities that the university can leverage to not only help our students um, get better faster, but, you know, uh, you know, help get our name and, and uh, our organization kind of out in the world. And, you know, a lot of times participating in those projects helps bring more resources here to help us get better faster, which is ultimately the goal. Um, and just and growing uh, that knowledge base and understanding um, to help your patients have better outcomes, I guess is really the, the ultimate goal. And, and however we can accomplish that, we're, I'm I'm going to try to you know bring in as many things as we can to help that happen as quick as we can. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's kind of the flip of what I said, right? Uh, yeah. Expanding that set of skills when you you have done that in the past, but now you it, the position you're in allows you to sort of dig 
dig deeper into those things, which is great. Right. I mean, I think right. that if we're going to get to a point to understand any of these things better and, and we have to have the ability to dig into those like you do, I think as we look forward, right. Around whether it's athletic training or the concussion pieces and so on, how do you see these things evolving? Right. We talked about that last 10 to 12 years where it's been more prevalent, but you mentioned it, it isn't as, it might not be as prevalent as it once was. Yeah. Um, how do you see not only those mitigation pieces you talked about, but the use of technology or you know equipment itself or or those things evolving as as we look forward? Yeah, so the the technology piece is really interesting as stuff gets smaller, lighter, and can last longer. Um, I think it just helps you better understand training patterns, um, injury patterns, um, load patterns, all those kind of things to help adjust um, those loads that you're taking. Um, and it can, you know, ultimately help you understand and, and adjust some techniques. So if, uh, you know, if we have a, a helmet set, you know, a sensor in, in someone's helmet, uh, or around a headband for a volleyball player, or, you know, however it may be, or in a mouthpiece, um, then, uh, we can say, Hey, you know what, you're taking a whole ton of impacts during practice. You're in the, you know, the 90th percentile of your position group. Let's watch your tape and see what you're doing. And maybe it's actually a, a technique modification that allows us to be made to reduce that individual's um, uh, particular incidents or their, you know, time, kind of total load. Um, if it's an equipment modification that we need to make, um, if it's just a general load and, and general practice that we can recommend to coaching staff, like, hey, we've really been taking a whole lot of load over these last few days. Maybe we need to reduce down um, to help reduce that that. Uh, just total load that these guys are taking and let them be a little more fresh and recovered. So we can hopefully, you know, reduce incidents of injury because ultimately if you reduce those things and, you know, they're going to miss less time and they're going to perform better. So that's kind of uh, what we're, what we're here to do is, is get them back quicker um, and hopefully have them miss less time uh, in the first place. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, it makes sense, especially to around the technology point. We think we often think, Oh, we're just going to have better helmets. Or we're going to have, you know, better prevention and those things. But like you said, the amount of data we have and the ability to collect data and then also analyze that data to say, what are the trends here? Are there any commonalities across? I think that's a really interesting point around how technology has evolved, you know, in in that sense. I guess the question in this, and, you know, you've, you focus on concussions, uh, you know, day to day. We're not going to get to a point where we eradicate those things, right? But you talked about mitigating in those things. And, and I think as we evolve, all these things that, that come together just give you the better chance to, to not only mitigate, but treat those going forward, right? Yep. Yeah. And it, 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 again, maybe that's a personal personal question going back to my uh, hope that someday my son will be able to play collision sports. But uh, if his if his mother has has his way, he'll he'll play uh, tennis and, and golf, and that would be it, which are lovely sports. So, you know, I mean, you know, I have a, I have a seven year old son too, and, and I get that question. You know, as soon as, soon as anyone, oh, you, oh, you worked in college football, oh, you, oh, you specialize in concussion, like, so, like, you're not going to let your son play football, right? And I said, no, that's that's not the case at all. I'm not going to push him or like be, say, hey you need to go do this. Like a lot of, you know, individuals in our generation were, mm -hmm. um, it's, if he wants to, I'm going to endorse it whole hog because the, a big thing that gets lost, uh, in my experience and opinion is all the really, really good stuff that comes out of playing a team sport like football. Um, you know, you hear how bad it is and how terrible all these guys are and all these long-term issues that they have, but, 
you know, no one, no one talks about the, the team building, the bonding, the, and the lifelong relationships that you make and create doing those things. The leadership skills you create, the mental fortitude and toughness that comes along with it, um, you know, the sense of community and team that happens. And that, yeah, I mean, there's an inherent risk to anything you do, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, you, you hear the, the old opinion, oh, you're more likely to get in a car accident on the way to the airport than get in an airplane crash. Right. Oh, what if I got hit by a bus yesterday? All those kind of things. So, uh, you know, I I don't think that going about your life and living in fear of not doing something because of what may happen is a good way to go. I think you need to assess the risk for any activity you do and determine if that's the right thing or the wrong thing for you to do at that time. And, and, you know, like I said, with, with my son, with Jimmy, he's, he's not going to be like, Hey, you're a freshman in high school. You're going to go play football. Oh, you're 12. You can go play Pop Warner now. It's going to be like, Hey, do you want to go do this? Cool. Then I'm going to make sure that you understand what you're doing. I'm going to make sure that you know, uh, you know, that we're teaching you the right things and the right way to do stuff and, and educate the people around him and, and in the organizations that he's in to make sure that everyone around him is doing the right things and, and try to improve those things. But uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's always a funny question that people are very shocked by my answer. I'm like, yeah, if he wants to play football, I'm going to support him. And I think that's it's comforting for me personally, but I also think that what's really good about this is that it's comforting from a student athlete perspective to have someone like yourself in a role to say, Hey, you know, there, you're right. There is inherent risk in everything that we do. Yeah. Top of, top of the list, especially if you dig into the data, getting into a car is really dangerous. Oh yeah. Um, And I think that, that we as Americans forget that very often. Yeah. Um, it is super dangerous, but. But you look over the course and, and look at some of the mitigation strategies that have been done to make them less dangerous, right? It's hard to think that, you know, my, the second car that I owned was a 1966 Mustang and it had aftermarket seatbelts because seatbelts weren't required when it was That's built. That's crazy. Right? So you think you, you know, you go from seatbelts to uh, better construction, lighter weight vehicles. And even now, I, you know, I bought a new car a few months ago and it has automatic braking and collision avoidance and all this mm-hmm. kind of fancy technological stuff in, to protect you in the event that you do get in an accident. Right. Right. Think about airbags and seatbelt change design and crumple zones and all this kind of thing. And we know that it's dangerous. We know that uh, we know that every time we get in, but you know, some steps have been taken to make it a little less so. But it's also something that we all know when we get into that car. It's, you know, people pass away in car accidents every day. Yep. And so, you know, being diligent and understanding the risks and, and making and taking exception to those and making that decision is, is what it has to be. Yeah, it's a really interesting point because, I you know, this is obviously top of mind for me because of having small children. But my mother was telling me that when I came home from the hospital in 1981, she held me. I wasn't in a car seat. Yeah, when my brother in 1983 came home, he was in a car seat. So you're right. And it, it's a good parlay into all the things that you talked about, right? It's a good analogy of the mitigating pieces that are there from eh, in cars. We've done a lot of work and a lot of science and a lot of technology has gone into that. And it and from all that you've talked about is the the same thing from a you know traumatic traumatic brain injury, traumatic head injury prevention and, and mitigation. So I think the great news is that that someone like yourself is there from a Northwestern perspective, not only for the athletes, but there's the potential that our listeners and our students that, you know, that they're out playing club sports and so on could see you, could see you down the road someday. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those weird things that, you know, especially from a, a researcher standpoint, you know, I have these questions that I want to try to find out and get answered, but in order for that to happen, something bad has to happen to somebody. Right. Okay. Um, but, you know, ultimately if, 
if we can, you know, help improve the outcome of something when something bad happens to someone, hopefully doing something that they enjoy, right? You know, we, I will see people who, you know, get injured playing sport, but also people who slip on some ice on the sidewalk walking to class, right? So, um, and hopefully that's not something they enjoy is slipping on ice, but um, <laughs> you never know, teach their own. But it's, uh, uh, you know, help them get back to doing what they want to do. Um, which is, you know, the rewarding piece of what we do is, you know, find out and assess what someone's goals are and then help them get back to those. And they're different for every patient, right? Especially in a, in a collegiate population, whether that may be getting back to uh, gaming at a really high level or, uh, you know, they are a programmer and they need to spend 10 to 12 hours in front of a monitor writing really intricate code um, or, you know, to, you know, a high level uh, collegiate athlete. So it's really, really vast what I'm able to, to work, the population I'm able to work with now and, and makes it just that much more rewarding. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's really fortunate for the university, not only from an athletic perspective, but from a student perspective to have someone such as yourself, you know, and so, yep. We really, really appreciate the time you've taken to, to dig into these things with us today. I think enlightening for me, especially in, in a lot of these areas, but I think great for our listeners in the sense as they prepare themselves for, you know, what they do in the sports industry and, and, and how that shifts and changes and evolves. I think there's a ton of learnings from, from all that you do and, and, and all that you brought us today. So thank you very much for the time. Yeah, you bet. Anytime. It was great. 